All right, well, good morning. What book am I going to tell you to open up to? Proverbs. So do that, please. Open up to Proverbs uh, chapter 3. I'm going to be saying that many, many times over the next while. So you'll, you'll get to know. Open up the book of Proverbs chapter 3. And this morning we're going to look at verses, um, verses 1 to 12. Proverbs chapter 3 this morning we're going to look at verses 1 to 12. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak once again into our hearts. Lord, we trust you as Steve uh, was leading us this morning. We trust that we come to hear the very word of God spoken to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear you when you speak. Focus our minds and attention on you. Lord, we're so scattered all over the place many times. Oh, Lord, may this be a holy moment. A moment unique and devoted unto you. May we give you praise with our ears this morning. Help me to give you praise with my mouth this morning. In your precious name. Amen. As I was thinking of this passage um, this morning, it made me think of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Because really what the father is calling on the son to do is live a devoted life unto God. And as I think of a person who lived a devoted life unto God, I think of Charles Spurgeon. He was a Baptist preacher in the 1800s. He was probably, he's probably one of the most famous preachers ever to have been on this planet, apart from Jesus and Paul. Um, he's probably, for me, he's probably number three, <laughs> uh, if there is such thing as, as a ranking system there. Um, it's just, he, w- he was called the Prince of Preachers. The Prince of Preachers. And you will have noticed on the devotions I was sending to you uh, during, during lockdown, if you heard of any of those, I was reading to you his, his morning devotions and his evening devotions. And each one of them, he wrote one of them for each day of the year, not only for every morning of the year, but for every, every day in the, the evening of the year. And each one of them had such great depth. What I want you to know about Charles Spurgeon is this. He was a very busy man. He was a very, very busy man. There's a guy uh, called uh, Dr. Uh, Don Whitney. He, he's written a lot about Spurgeon, and he, he talks about Spurgeon's busyness. And I want you to just hear, and you, and you might be amazed that this is just one man, but it is true. This man pa- pastored the largest evangelical church in the world at the time. They had 6,000 members. 6,000 active members in the church. Not just attenders, but members in the church. He preached almost every day. He edited his sermons weekly so that they could be published. And when they were published, finally, they were published into 64 volumes, which meant that he was one of the greatest authors in the English language of all time to write these 64 volumes himself. On top of all those sermons that he preached and he wrote, these 64 volumes, in his lifetime, he wrote 120 books. 
Most of us won't even read that much in our lifetime. He wrote 120 books, which means in his adult life, he was writing probably one book every four months. This man was a busy man. He presided over 66 different ministries, including a pastor's college, orphanages, and charities. He edited a monthly magazine, and typically, just for his spare time, he used to read five books a week. This was a busy, busy man. Now, in some ways, I don't, I don't, I don't read that out to make you feel guilty, although many of us will. It's kind of like, as soon as I read this, it's like, I do nothing. I do nothing with my life. But he's just, it's just a phenomenal man. God used him in a mighty way. And, and in some ways, he suffered for that. He, he got great illness. He suffered great mental health issues, great and deep depression that no one tends to talk much about. But he did go through all that with his busyness. But even amidst all his busyness, here's, here's what strikes me about the man. He was so busy, and yet he was always fully devoted to his God. He always had time for God. He was never too busy to lead his family in the ways of God. And in fact, Susanna Spurgeon, she writes of him about how Spurgeon used to lead his family. And I just want to read to you this this little paragraph of what she said. Now, it would be one thing if a a congregant was saying this about him, but this is actually his wife who knows him, who's not going to pretend. And she says this about the way he used to lead his family. She says, after meal was over, we all were made to, to walk into the, into the study for family worship. After we had dinner, we walked into the study for family worship. And it was at these seasons that my beloved's prayers were remarkable for their tender childlikeness, their spiritual pathos, and their intense devotion. His prayers were amazing. He seemed to come as near to God as a little child to a loving father. And we were often moved to tears as he talked with God seemingly face to face. This was a busy man, but he always had time, always had time to devote himself to the Lord and always had time to bring his family under the devotion of the Lord. We must always make time to be devoted to our God. We should never be too busy for Him. He is our God and deserves our time, devotion, and energy. And so this is what the Father has to say to the Son. In this, in this third speech, in the first speech, He says to them, the world is going to say, come with us, Son, but, but don't listen to them. And then in the, in the second speech, He says to the Son, Son, I want you to treasure up My commands. And if you treasure up My commands, you are going to have all these promises of God. If, then, promises. And here He wants to say to the Son, Son, I want you to be devoted unto God with all of who you are. And so by extension, the Father's speech to the Son is really His speech to us. God's speech to us. And God desires for you and me today to be fully devoted unto Him. And the first thing the Father wants to say in this speech is this to us. Devote your entire memory to the Lord. 
devote your memory to the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. It is clear that the Father is calling upon the Son to devote His memory to the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 1. He is talking about memory. Do not forget my teaching. Remember my teaching. He, In a poetic way, he speaks on that further. But let your heart keep my commandments. Store them up, in other words, in your heart. Don't forget them. What does he mean by don't forget them? He means don't forget them. What does he mean? He means remember them. Store them in your heart. And again, you see he's talking about memory in verse 3 when he says, My son, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Don't forget them. Remember them. Put them around your neck. Keep these commands around your neck. When someone loves someone, sometimes they have these necklaces, right? And in the necklaces, they have this locket. And in the locket, they have a picture. And the picture is of someone they love. Why? Because they do not want to forget them. They want to hold them close to their heart. And this is what's happening in this command. You you are to take the Lord's commandments and wear them as though you're wearing a necklace. Wear them as though you're wearing a locket. That you might not forget them. That you might store them in your heart. And so the scripture talks about this reality of hiding the word of God in our hearts. Binding them. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he, he calls on, on, on fathers and, and mothers to train up your children. And, and bind the word of God almost on your head. Keep it with you wherever you go. And again, we were talking about how Psalm 119 pointed us to the psalmist who treasured up the word of the Lord. But also we see in Psalm 119, the psalmist saying, we need to remember and not forget the word of the Lord. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. By storing up your word in his heart. Verse 11 says, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've kept your word. I've remembered your word in my heart. And that is one of the ways that I can defend myself against sin in my life. 119 verse 16 he says, I delight in your statutes and I will not, I will not forget your word. I'll store your word in my heart. I will remember your word. Why? Because your word, he says in Psalm 119, is a lamp to my feet. It guides me. It leads me. I should not forget it. Store it up, my son. The hard thing for us is this. Nowadays, we're really bad at memorizing things, aren't we? We're really bad at it. Really bad. There's two numbers that I remember. 
two phone numbers, my own, and sometimes I forget that, and Luana's, and sometimes I forget that. I was filling out a form the other day, and, and someone asked me, what's your wife's number? And I stumbled. Why? Because, because this thing remembers it for me. Why should I need to remember anything when this remembers it all? And then, you know, when we used to, in the olden days, in the olden days when we used to debate about things, you know, we used to debate about a historical fact and you used to say, no, it was this date. No, it was that date. Now we just say, well, look it up. We don't need to know any facts. We just have to look it up and then we will know it. Uh, Simeon said to me the other day, daddy, Google it. (laughs) Google it. None of us need to remember anything. All we have to do is Google it. And so we're not all that good at memorizing things. But it will protect us from sin. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy to memorize His Word. But it will bear fruit in your life. I promise you that. When it comes to His Word, when it comes to God's Word, we're called in the Bible really to do three things. The first thing we're called to do is read it. Very simply, we are called to read His Word. Read it. That is why, as part of our praise on a Sunday morning, you will notice someone comes up and they read the Word. Because Paul said to Timothy, do not neglect the public reading of the Word. So what happens is, in our worship, we've actually thought about how we do things. We want to sing praise to Him. We want to pray publicly to Him. We want to read to Him. So when someone is reading, it is as if someone is singing. It is part of our praise. We are praising Him. And so in His Word, we are called to read it. What else does the Scripture call us to do with His Word? It calls us to meditate upon it. Sometimes in your Bible reading, it is really good to read fast. Sometimes I find it good to read fast. You know, you get into numbers and it has basically a a lot of numbers and a lot of people and a lot of names. And so I feel it's okay and the Lord knows that I can kind of read that fast. And sometimes you go through names like in Ezra and Nehemiah, they name all these people. The trick is no one actually knows how to pronounce the names. So what do I do? I read those faster. So there's a time in our devotions that we might read the Word of God faster and at a quicker pace, but there's also times in our devotion to God that we might slow down and read the Word slowly and meditate upon it slowly. And if you find yourself, listen, I'm not reading the Word right now, I'm not meditating on the Word right now, here's my suggestion for you. And I always suggest that. Here it is. We're going through Proverbs. You could start in Proverbs. This is why I'm I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm not going to make it every week. I'm sure I'm not going to make it every week, but I am trying to send you questions, five application questions I'm sending to you every week. I'm trying. The Lord is is giving me effort. I'm not a guy who's going to write 120 books in my life. I'm not going to be able to do that. I can just about make it to five questions a week. If I can do that, I will keep doing that. Do you know why I want to keep doing that? Because I want you to meditate on God's Word. And the last thing I want, I really don't want that to be a burden to you. I don't want you to feel guilty about not doing it. Oh, I didn't do the five questions or whatever. I'm not going to be asking you. I'm not going to be checking up on you or correcting your homework. All I want is this. 
you to meditate on God's word. So what I ask you to do in those questions is this. Take the passage that we've just preached from, Proverbs chapter 3, 1 to 12. Read it over again. And as you read it over again, what's going to happen? You're going to remember some of the things that guy said on Sunday morning. And God is going to implant that word into your mind. And then with the five questions, what you could do, there's five questions. And you could take Monday, one question, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I can tell you this, the questions aren't profound. They may not change your life, but they will help you meditate upon God's word. We should read it. We should meditate on it. But the other thing we should do is we should remember it. We should memorize it. And that takes time. That takes effort. That takes practice. Do you know what I do? Do you know my trick? Do you know my, my fancy little trick? I learn verses to song. I learned them to song. Each of the verses that we sang this morning that we are memorizing together as a church, they are from an app called Verses. The app is called Verses. You can get it on your Google app. You can get it on your uh, whatever other app there is um, on your iPhone. There you go. (laughs) Um, You can get all these verses on, on this app called Verses. And what you do is if you listen to music or anything, if you listen to music on the car, in the way, on the way to work. If you listen to music when you walk, if you listen to music when you're in the gym, whatever you're doing, you can take this and, and listen to God's Word. And you will find it's amazing how God's Word just sticks in your mind as you relate it to song. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Romans 10. How did I memorize that? A song. Why did I memorize that? Because sometimes I need to remember that I need to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And so I remember verses. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. How did I learn that verse? To a song. Why did I learn it? Because there are times when a foolish words come into my head and I think about saying it. And this verse, it helps me many times. It's dragged me back when it says, Shane, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good, Shane, for building up. Don't tear people down with your words. Build them up. And so the memorization of his word is like, like a sword for the fight of life. And this is what he's calling on the son to do. Devote your memory to the Lord. Devote your memory to the Lord. I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to start slow. But start. Devote your memory to the Lord. The second thing he wants to say to the son is this. Devote your trust to the Lord. Look at this in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and refreshment for your bones. 
devote not only your memory to the Lord, but devote your trust to the Lord. All of your trust to the Lord. I love what um, a guy called uh, Bruce Waltke says about these verses. He says, in, in trusting the Lord in this way, what the Lord is calling upon us to do is trust Him entirely, trust Him exclusively, and trust Him exhaustively. We are to trust the Lord with all of who we are. How are we to trust the Lord entirely? It says this in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord entirely. In other words, what he is saying is this, trust the Lord with all of your being, with all of who you are. Do not hold back from the Lord. Trust him. In our lives, we always hold back, don't we? You will find yourself, you will come into this room and you, you will, you will. By, by virtue, there's a protection that we have. We hold back a little of ourselves from people. We're afraid to trust people ultimately with how we're really feeling, how, what's really going on in my life. And so what we'll tend to do is we'll hold back quite a lot. Even in the most intimate of relationships that we might have in life, such as marriage, sometimes it, it takes years before we let go of things and ultimately fully trust in that person that we're married to. Here's what we're saying. Here's what he's saying. Trust in the Lord entirely. Don't hold back from Him. Give Him everything that you have. Trust Him with all your heart. Not some of your heart, with all of your heart. Trust Him entirely. Then trust Him exclusively. It says this in verse 5, And do not lean on your own understanding. Leaning. How many of you have had to have a crutch in your life? What are you doing with that crutch when you've been using it? You've been leaning on it. You've been using that for your support. And usually if you need a crutch, you cannot walk without it. What he's saying is the reverse of that. Don't lean on your own understanding, which implies what? You lean in on God with all you've got. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Him. There's a parable that we're going through in in Luke 18. And and before Jesus was telling the parable to these religious leaders, it said of them that they trusted in themselves. That is the biggest indictment of all. Don't lean on yourself. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Him entirely, exclusively, and also exhaustively. Verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And that is not just acknowledging Him like, you know, when you come into the room, you know, when someone comes into the room and and people give out, they didn't even acknowledge me. They didn't even notice that I exist. So we, we tend to put acknowledge like that, like I've acknowledged someone's existence. That's not the type of acknowledge here. It's It's a deep, intimate knowing. Acknowledge Him. Know Him deeply in all of your ways. When you are going in your paths in life, when you are journeying, journeying on your ways in life, acknowledge Him, know Him intimately and deeply in all of your ways. And notice, and He will make straight your paths. Now some of you, you've learned that verse in a different way. You've learned it in probably what you would say the most familiar way. He will make your path straight. But this verse says, He will make straight your paths. 
You say, that's a bit of an awkward way of saying it. But that's the poetic way of saying it. The emphasis in this verse is the straightness of our paths. You have crooked paths. He's going to take those crooked paths and he's going to make straight those crooked paths. That's the poetic emphasis. He's going to make straight your crooked paths if you would trust him. And that's the question. Do you really trust him? I feel that we are always holding back from God because we're used to it. We're used to holding back from people and so we always tend to hold back from God. Do you find it difficult to trust in your life? Do you at times find it difficult to trust people? To let go? I think all of us do. Some of the reason for that might be control. Some of us, to be honest, we're control freaks. We like our whole life in order and we like to control life and and have all the answers for life. But then we realize, lo and behold, we're not in control. We wake up in the morning and everything's done and kids are sick and things happen and you're just not in control. And we're reminded each day. And because we like control, sometimes we don't like trust. And we find it hard to trust the one we should, God. Sometimes we find trust difficult because of our past. People have let us down badly. Mothers have let us down badly. Fathers have let us down badly. Brothers and sisters have let us down badly. Friends have let us down badly. And therefore we say, I'm not going to trust anybody anymore. I'm not going to do it. The Bible would say this to you. Let go. Trust Him with all of your heart. Let go. And when you do let go, when you do finally let go, you'll realize you have a loving Father who is there for you every step of your life. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Believe in Him. If you have not believed in Him by faith today, I would call on you, trust in the Lord Jesus. Take that step of faith. Devote your life onto Him. Give all of you to all of Him. Trust in Him. And if you have trusted in Him, keep pressing in on what that would mean for your life. Trust Him with everything in your life. He calls on the Son to devote His memory to God, to devote His trust to God, but He also calls on the Son to devote His money to God. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with your money and with, the first, with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your money. Acknowledge Him when it comes to your money. Often, we give the Lord the leftovers of what we have. 
when it comes to money, what we talk about is kind of budgeting, but we, we budget kind of everything in our life. We allocate importance and priority to everything in our life. So this comes even to our schedule. What happens in our schedule is whether you lay it out, whether you're the organizer who knows what's going to happen every single day or whether you just let life happen, generally you prioritize your days in your life. You, you prioritize those days. You give way to those days. And often what happens is we do it backwards. We prioritize Monday and we get everything ready. We get our clothes ready. We get our lunches ready. We get our sleep ready. We get everything ready for that day because we treat that as the first day of the week. And by the time we get to Sunday, we give God our leftovers and we're totally wrecked and exhausted. The Bible flips it around. The first day of the week for Christians, John in John 20, they they talk about this. The first day of the week was resurrection day. That was the first day of the week. That was priority. All the week revolved around that day. That day is the Lord's day. Often there's these churches I go go to up north and, and they would be the more traditional churches. They would have suits and ties and so I wear a suit and a tie, believe it or not, uh, to, to preach and, 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 and women would, would wear hats and, and it's, 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 it's really nice actually for a change sometimes. And, but what they do in, in some of those traditional churches, they say, welcome to the Lord's day. This is His. It belongs to Him. And it's the first day of the week. It's the priority. Everything revolves around that. So, so we schedule, we give honor to God in our schedule. In, in that way, we, we budget our week according to God. We do that day first and all other days follow. So what it is with your budget and your money. Sometimes what we do is we look after all our own things first, make sure we've got everything else in order, and then God gets what's left. Okay, I'll make sure I have all this stuff planned and then he will get the leftovers. But that's not what the passage says. That's not what the Father advises. In, in verse 9 it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. The first fruits. In other words, the first fruits for the harvesters in Exodus and Leviticus, it talks about giving the first fruits unto sacrifice on the Lord. The first fruits, do you know what they are? They're the best. It's the best. You're giving God your best. So, so in terms of your schedule, what you're doing is you're giving the Lord your best. He gets the best portion of your days. He gets all of it. And when it comes to your wealth, you're giving the Lord your best. He gets the best. He gets priority. He gets honor. He gets it. All devoted unto the Lord. And I have encouraged us as a young church... You know, we're only starting out. We only just got our account up. You know, things are only only just starting. And I encouraged you. We could have just given you the account details. But I encouraged you to think about giving in four ways. I said, think about giving worshipfully, cheerfully, sacrificially, and consistently. Worshipfully, that your giving is worship to God and nobody else. I'm giving as an act of worship to Him cheerfully, that you're giving cheerfully, you're giving because you want to, not because Shane is pressuring you, not because anybody is coercing you, but because cheerfully as praise to God you want to give to Him. 
Giving cheerfully, sacrificially. You're giving sacrificially when you give. You're choosing not to spend that on yourself. And consistently, consistently is the call for every believer to not just give him the leftovers. Oh, if I have a tenner in my pocket, I'll throw that in or five or no. I'm giving consistently onto him. And can I encourage you? I don't know all the ins and outs of the finances in, the ch- in this church, but we just have got a treasurer now, which is great. Woo-hoo. We're kind of being a real church now, which is nice. And, and, and it seems like people are giving. And can I encourage you? Keep going. That is a good thing. That is worship unto the Lord. Give unto Him the praise due His name. He deserves all of what we have. Now there's a problem I have with this verse. And in fact it's a problem I have with with actually a lot of the verses. Did you see the promise there? So verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then, here's the promise, Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. So in other words, it sounds like the verse is saying, if I give unto the Lord, I will get a hundredfold back. I will get blessings. And that sounds like what I've seen on TV. Those guys say, you give me, and usually it is, they're as blunt as that. You, you give me, you know, this amount of money, you tie this amount of money, then all the blessings of God will be poured onto you a hundredfold. And it kind of sounds like this prosperity gospel thing that we are so against and it is not any gospel at all. So then you ask yourself, well, why is this promise here? And in fact, for those guys, this verse would be one of their favorites. If you give from the first fruits, then you will be blessed abundantly. And isn't that what the verses say? Yes, but that is what the verses say in Proverbs, right? And Proverbs is different from any other literature in the Bible. You will see it again, like I told you. In Proverbs, the verses are indented. You'll notice that, right? And this is why I was making such a big deal about he will make straight your paths because it's poetic language and so you keep the poetic word order. It's important. And so this is also poetic proverbial language, which means Proverbs, what are they? They are not always true, but they are often true. They are generally true, but not ultimately true. The point is that these would not be ultimate promises, but general truths for you that He gives unto us. So you will see in the, in the promises that are made, there's promises made in relation to those who remember the Word of God, the promise in verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Almost in these even verses, you see it. So, if you hide the word of the Lord in your heart, you will have long-lasting days. Except when you cross the road at the wrong time, when you're 20 years old, and the car knocks you down. It's not always true, but it might be generally true. If I remember the Lord... It will produce life for me. It will generally produce peace for me. But will it always do that? Probably not. 
And then in verse 4, again, another even verse, verse 4, you have this promise. Remember the Lord's word, hide it in your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So if I memorize God's word, I probably will find favor. I probably in general will find success, but not always. Sometimes I will fail. Sometimes it won't work out. These are general truths, not always promises. Or in verse 8, you see it in in verse 8. If I trust in the Lord, what does it talk about? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Yes, I will be refreshed as I trust the Lord. But will I always feel refreshed as I trust the Lord? Will I be the, the, you know, the, you know, that energizer bunny with the, with the batteries? You know, he kind of runs around. He has all this energy. He's always refreshed. Will I always be refreshed if I trust in the Lord? No. But the general principle is this. You will be refreshed. It will give refreshment to you. And so what we need to remember always with Proverbs is this. Proverbs are often true. They are not always true. And the promises of Proverbs are that same way. And so we realize that here. As we trust, as we devote our memory to God, as we devote our trust to God, as we devote our money to God, we need to remember these promises from God. But the guarantee for those who trust in God is these promises may not be always true on this earth. But one day, For those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, one day, these promises, they will always be true. They will always be true. You will always have a long life in eternity, won't you? You will always have success in eternity, won't you? You will always have abundance in eternity, won't you? Because you will inherit the earth. All blessings will be poured upon you on that day. And so one day, these promises will be true for you completely, fully, and finally. It's hard, isn't it? To devote our entire memory to God. To devote our entire trust to God. To devote our wealth to God. Notice, those are the things that we find really hard to give away. Do you notice that? Money. Do you ever find it hard (laughs) to give your money away? Do you ever find yourself counting the pennies? It's hard. Devoted to Him. Your trust. It's hard to give away, isn't it? Devoted to Him. Your memory. It's hard. My mind is is so full and so busy in life. I can I can barely even watch the TV and keep track of a plot line for a movie. Like like two hours of a movie feels long for me. Devoting my memory is going to be hard. Let it go. Trust the Lord. And you know when we fail, do you know what the Lord does? He disciplines us. Verse eleven. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. And as a father, the son in whom he delights. When we fail in our devotion, the Lord, he disciplines us. But guess what? That's not a bad thing. The world will tell you, discipline is a very bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not It shows love. 
there was a, a child in my class. I remember his parents let him do whatever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted. No rules, no regulations, no nothing. I can tell you this from knowing him. He never felt loved. There was no discipline in his life. He knew he wasn't loved. The Father disciplines those whom he loves. And the writer of Hebrews, he preached a sermon on this in Hebrews 12. He says, the discipline of the Lord means that you are legitimately his sons. When he disciplines you, that is a good sign that he loves you. And maybe this morning is part of his discipline for you. Maybe you haven't been devoted to the Lord as you are. Maybe the Lord would use this to wake you up and devote all of your trust, all of your wealth, all of your being onto Him. Maybe this is the Lord's discipline in your life and He would use this to wake you up. Are you listening? This is how the Lord shows His love for us. Let us devote ourselves to Him no matter how busy we are. Because let's face it, we're actually not that busy. We're not. We watch things that stimulate our minds for three or four hours and it makes us feel like we've done 20 hours of work in the day. It exhausts us. Maybe we're not as busy as we think we are. Let's devote ourselves to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And we pray, Lord, that we would be those who are devoted unto You. We ask, Lord, that our lives would be wholly given unto you. Isn't that the first commandment you give us? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the first step in Christianity, Lord. I pray you would help us with it. Help us to memorize your word together. Help us to trust in you together. And devote all our wealth unto you. To the glory and praise of your name. Amen.